everyone, and welcome to Brunch and Learn. I'm your host, Nicole Dillon, and this is a podcast for women who love to brunch, like myself. Here, we talk about two of my favorite topics, brunch, obviously, and the idea that we can learn something new every day. Each episode will interview a new female powerhouse, gab as though we're girlfriends at brunch, and learn something for our brains. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Brunch and Learn podcast, the podcast where we talk about food and my favorite meal of the week, brunch, but also learning something new. And today we have guest Annalise Gardner. She is the co-founder and chief executive officer of Apto Media. She founded this company in 2018, and it's a creative agency that offers brand design and strategy marketing solutions, production services to small businesses who want to adapt, grow, and scale. So welcome to the podcast, Annalise. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. How about we kick things off to the listeners by telling telling the listeners just a little bit more about you, your business, and what are you working on now? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts, and as soon as I turned 18, I moved to New York City. I had big dreams of, you know, the city, wanted to move there immediately right after high school, and so I did it. And I then started my undergraduate degree at Pace University in New York City. And right after college, I was lucky enough to receive a position at NBC Universal. I had interned there for six months prior. And then as soon as I graduated, they offered me a position. So I quickly took that position and was in my corporate uh, job for three years. I bounced around, let's say twice to different departments so I could see you know, how things work. So it was great. But at some point I knew that I wanted to start my own company. And so I like to say I went to YouTube University, uh, which is basically just, you know, going on YouTube and watching videos about what type of business I could start with, you know, how I could get started, you know, learn from other entrepreneurs that were successful. And at the time I was really into uh, traveling as well and still am, but of course with the current situation, I can't travel as much, but at the time I was really interested in learning about travel vlogging. And it was amazing to me that these people were able to travel around the world with a camera and start documenting their stories. So I was interested in the traveling aspect, but I was more interested in how they were telling their stories. They were working with other companies and telling their stories. And I thought, okay, how can I do this you know, can I create a business out of this? And so I did. And I originally started Apto as a video marketing company. And so what we would do is we would create brand videos for small businesses, you know, turn their about pages on their website into videos. We would develop YouTube channels. Um, So it really grew, like I said, as a video marketing company. And then about a year and a half ago, uh, my boyfriend and I, we actually were in Thailand for seven months and we moved back. And as we moved back, we gained a lot of clients and they kept telling us, you know, we're tired of going to, you know, a branding person. We're tired of going to a graphic designer. We're tired of going to a social media manager. We want to go to one company so that they can do it all. Because as a small business, you know, there's only limited hours of the day. They have trouble keeping up running their business, but then also marketing their business. And so they knew my background at NBC, which I was in sales mostly, but did some marketing as well. And so they used that as basically Annalise can do it all. And I then turned the company, knowing the need for small businesses to have one company to go to, I quickly changed the company to a creative marketing agency. So as Nicole said, you know, we do brand design and strategy. We do marketing solutions, which is social media management strategy, email marketing, all that stuff with monthly marketing packages. And then we still have our production services, so photography and videography. So really, we've become that agency that people can come to for all their marketing needs, all of their startup needs. Let's say if they're starting a business and they need a logo design or a website design, we are now that go-to company that small businesses can go to. That is really cool to travel (laughs) and work. And you said you lived in Thailand? Yes, we lived in Thailand for seven months. This was in my first year of business, actually, toward the end of it. I knew I always wanted to live abroad again. I, My junior year in college, I lived in Paris for a year, and I knew the travel bug was still in me and living somewhere else. 
So our lease was up in our apartment in Brooklyn and my boyfriend and I looked at each other like, how can we get out of here now? You know, how can I still run the company remote? How can I do this? And so it worked where I had videographers in the city who were still able to film for my clients. Uh, we were able to gain new clients. And then I was then editing on the back burner and, you know, communicating with that with those clients and the videographers. So I will not say it was easy, but it definitely was, you know, worth it in the end because for us, we needed to do it now versus kind of what if, what if, what if, and never be able to do it. And even now look at the current climate, you know, the situation where no one's traveling as much. So we would have probably had to wait another two years to travel again. So we're very thankful that we did it when we did it. And it really turned our company to what it is today. And if you could travel somewhere else right now, would you still take out, like take off your business and just like pack up and go? Yeah, I probably would, to be honest. A couple other places I would love to live in is Amsterdam, number one. I love Amsterdam. The people are amazing. I have a couple friends that live there um, just from studying abroad in Paris. You know, they were studying there as well. Amsterdam is just an amazing city to live in. You know, there's always people out and about. People are always nice. I've never met a rude Dutch person ever. So I would love to move to Amsterdam um, if that is in the time, but you know, that's going to be way down the road. I'd say two, three years at this point, depending on how everything is going. Yeah. I went there on my honeymoon and it was fun. You did? Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. We, I've been honestly, like, I think I've been like four or five times now. I just, it's always, anytime I go to Europe, it's always a stop on my list, just even for two, three days, because there's just something about the city that's so lively and you just want to, you know, I feel like myself when I'm there, I'd say. It's similar to how I felt when I was in Paris and living there. I feel like myself in Amsterdam. And Amsterdam does remind me a little bit of Paris, but it's a little bit of a friendlier environment, let's say. And another question for you. Were you NBC page or just internship? Just internship. So the page program is that year-long program that NBC has where I had not heard about the page program actually until I was full-time, which... The PAGE program, if you have the opportunity to apply and get in, I highly recommend you doing it. It's essentially a one-year program with NBC, and you kind of switch different positions. I think you rotate three times throughout the year, um, and you have about three, four months per position. So I know people that worked for like the Jimmy Fallon show. They worked for SNL. Then they worked in like the ad sales department where we were. So we had actually two PAGE people that went through the system. And it really, as a new college graduate, it gave you the opportunity to see what positions were out there. And so then at that, after the page program, NBC does, you know, depending on the positions available, they do offer page people positions depending on what they want. So yeah, if any new college graduate is looking for a rotation program, NBC's page program is amazing. Again, you will work different hours every time. Jimmy Fallon shows late, SNL is late, but you know, the reward in the end is that you get to experience a little bit of everything so that you know, even at, what are you, 22 when you graduate college? I still didn't, I had no idea what I was doing. And I just, NBC, luckily enough, was, um, I was offered a position and I just jumped on it. I was like, I'll take any position you give me at this point, because I know six months down the line, loans will start. So yeah, I think the PAGE program is great. But no, I was in the regular internship. I applied my senior year uh, that January, and I was lucky enough to get the internship. And, you know, that started my road to corporate. <laughs> nice. I'm always on the same way. Like I wanted to apply to the page program mm -hmm. out of college because I, and I still have no idea what I want to be when I grew up. <laughs> yeah. I, still, I think I'm questioning it like every day still. So, you know, even at 27, we still have no idea of what's going on. <laughs> I feel like we're going to get into this, but like COVID and like, what are you working oh, yeah. on now? <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Let's get into the COVID style. Let's just rip the mandate off. Yeah, let's rip the Band-Aid off. So COVID happened severely for us on March 16th, let's say, where, you know, before COVID, we worked with a lot of companies that had physical places. So we worked with a lot of restaurants, construction companies, architecture firms, storefronts, boutiques, all of those that had physical places. So unfortunately, I'd say almost all of the restaurants that I know that we worked with before aren't able to come back. Unfortunately, the boutiques, they're struggling. The construction architecture firms, they were able to come back, but it took them a while too. So to be honest, when COVID happened, we were like at a standstill because at the end of the day, yes, you need marketing. And yes, we were able to convince some of our clients like, hey, this is the time to market. 
but at the end of the day, they need to pay their own people before marketing. So that being said, we kind of switched gears a little bit to where I've actually been able to offer more consulting services. So I have one-on-one -on -one consulting services working with me, kind of more of a small business that still wants to do it themselves, but they just need the guidance and the marketing strategy and um, the expertise to get there. I also offer VIP marketer day is what I call it. And that is essentially a small business will receive a three month marketing plan um, developed. You know, you'll know the type of content that you need to post. You'll know what to write. You'll have really a roadmap to success. So there's no more waking up in the middle of the morning of, okay, wh what am I posting today? I need, you know, I have a program that's launching in two months, but I have no idea what to post. What do I do to get there? You know, I dive deep into your business. I create a plan for you so that you know exactly what you need to do to move forward with your marketing. And again, to having an expert coming into your business, the one, the and I'll get into this further, but the biggest misconception with small businesses is that you actually don't need to market everywhere. So there's this big misconception that I need to be on Instagram, I need to be on Facebook, I need to be on LinkedIn, I need to be on TikTok and Reels and all this stuff, when in reality, when you're marketing everywhere, you're actually not marketing anywhere. So I really dive deep into seeing what works for your business. You know, If you're a fashion boutique, you focus on Instagram and uh, Facebook maybe. You know, if you're an online tutoring service, you focus on LinkedIn and Instagram. So that type of strategy is what I do with the VIP Marketer Day in which I really go in and say, okay, you don't need to focus on 12 platforms. Let's narrow down and focus on like two to three so you can get really successful and build your audience that way. And then maybe in the future, you can kind of grow and see what others to add. But let's really focus on selling your program or your new service or your product on two to three platforms and really see your business grow. That was my first question. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I know, I, I was like, I'm going to get into this now. <laughs> I did see on your website that you had mentioned that, that often you see businesses fail because they forget to implement all the strategies that actually facilitate the growth. Mm -hmm. What, you know, besides being the misconception of being everywhere, what are some other common mistakes that you see small businesses make? Biggest one, and I think we need to rebrand this word because I think people are so tired of hearing it, but it is so true, is the biggest thing is consistency. If you're not consistent in your business, people won't see your business as consistent and they won't, they won't understand your business as well as if you're kind of almost in their face every day, let's say. So the other biggest misconception is consistency. If you, the other thing too, is just because you've mentioned, let's say a new product or service once does not mean your entire audience has seen it. So for me, I think I've, you know, been on my Instagram stories. I'd say since I launched VIP marketer day, like I'd say 10 to 12 times talking about it. And each time I get DMS of, Oh, wow. I didn't know this was a new service you were offering. This sounds really up my alley. And it's because the algorithm stops us. People could be shopping that day. People could be taking a nap like during the day and they miss your post. So the biggest thing is consistency. And the second would be, don't feel as if just because you mentioned something once that everyone's heard it, you have to keep repeating yourself. You may sound like, you know, you're repeating yourself over and over again, but your audience does not know what they don't know. And so repeating yourself also will ensure that they understand what you're working at. There's some statistic out there that says that it, in order for someone to, you know, buy your product or service, they have to see it seven times in order to feel that they can actually trust and purchase it. So you need to keep getting on your Instagram stories, getting on Instagram posts, LinkedIn, anything you can to continue to sell your product and service. Because again, one time is not enough. Yes. I love that. I feel like, yeah, consistency is like the theme of 2020 that I, I learned. It is. Uh, I've been doing like women who run since 2013 and I was not as consistent as I am this year. <laughs> and yeah. And you can probably see a difference. You know, you can see that people are engaging in your content. Your audience is growing. Even if it's growing at a snail's pace, it's something. And again, if you're consistent in your business, your audience will see you as consistent and will see you as, you know, that top player or that top business that they need to 
invest and learn more about. And I feel like we'll get into this later because I like analytics and, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it seems like, cause my, since I'm a brunch community, I feel like I get the highest amount of views with like content and stories on the weekend, obviously. Right. <laughs> when brunch is happening. Right. And so like during the week, it's very slow, but like it just even dawned on me like this weekend. And I think you just interviewed her too, Allison. Oh yeah, Allison. Yeah. Hey, yeah, we just did a, she did a mini um, takeover series on Apto's profile. And then on my personal profile, she did, we did an IG live together. So I learned so much about her and her business even more. Yeah. But like every single weekend I do like a brunch and crunch. So I like work out and then brunch mm-hmm. and I do like every weekend and then like pings me and I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like like someone cares, someone's listening. And it was just like amazing. So yes, keep up the consistency, everybody. Um, It eventually pays off. It does. And I think that's the hardest part too, for small businesses is especially if you're not familiar with the platforms, you're not familiar with marketing strategies in general, is you think, okay, I've done this consistently for a week and I'm not getting anywhere. Unfortunately, there's a lot of businesses out there and you have to be consistent for honestly, for our clients, we do like a test round of what work, what's working, what's not. And we really don't see, you know, growth or some type of, you know, consistency with until like month two or three. And it's because, you know, whatever their strategies were before your audience kind of gets confused and your audience has to, you know, adapt, let's say to the strategies that you're creating and you're putting out there. So yeah, consistency is definitely needed and you have to have to do it. But I'm telling you, there's got to be a rebrand for this word because I think people are so tired of hearing it, but it's so true. It is. It is. (laughs) And still figuring it all out of what I want to post and do each day. Oh yeah. The process. So did you want to go into the other one you were talking about at all? Like brands or small businesses do not need to be everywhere all at once. Yeah, we can go into it a little bit. So kind of like what I mentioned before is a lot of small businesses, because there are so many platforms out there and you look at each platform and you see, okay, this person's successful on Twitter. This business is successful on Instagram. This person's doing on Facebook. And so you see certain companies everywhere, but that's also because they have a full team behind them. It's not just one person doing it. So if you're a one man show or a solo entrepreneur, or, you know, you've got two or three people to your business, you really don't need to be everywhere. So what I suggest is really sit down and think about where your ideal client or target audience is. So if you're, for an example, an online shopping boutique, and you know that your audience is on Instagram, it's a young demographic, you wanna, you know, you can also enable the shopping on Instagram. There's so many things you can do as being a boutique on Instagram. That does not mean that you need to get a Facebook. That does not mean you need a LinkedIn. That does not mean if Snapchat still exists and people are using that, that does not mean you need a Snapchat. So again, focusing on two to three platforms at most to really grow your audience that way. Because again, you're gonna be wasting energy trying to be everywhere that no one's actually gonna hear you. You're gonna run into inconsistency. You're gonna get burnt out. And so really, like I said, and I'm gonna keep saying it, focus on two to three platforms that you can build your audience. And then as you get bigger and as you grow, if you feel it's necessary, let's say to be on LinkedIn to, let's say, I don't know, you know, target the older demographic or the demographic that's looking for jobs, then of course you can add it in, but really focusing on two to three platforms to begin with will ultimately grow your business because you'll get those ideal clients. You'll, you know, maintain that target audience and you'll see sales and product growth and everything else like that. So yeah, that's what I would say. (laughs) Awesome. So consistency and two to three platforms. I've heard you talk about this, but want to tell the listeners and get into it. Mm -hmm. What are the main marketing strategies or pillars every company or business should be working on or thinking about and why? Yeah. So I call it my marketing recipe for success and not this recipe doesn't work with every business, but these are four, you know, the ideal four strategies that you should focus on. Um, and that way it grows each different part of your business differently as well. So number one is email marketing. I am promoting email marketing so much these days because social media is where everyone thinks they need to start posting and, you know, marketing and everything. But 
really, we don't own these email, uh, these uh, social media platforms. You know, you've seen the news, TikTok may be banned. You know, Snapchat goes through stuff. We saw how quickly Snapchat ended because Instagram updated to Instagram stories. So really, we don't own these platforms. They could be shut down tomorrow. So having an email marketing strategy will really enable your sales and your products to be delivered right to your customers or clients' inboxes so that they can see, you know, the information of what you're doing with your business, maybe a new update about your business, maybe a new product, and really to there's no algorithm with email. You know, it's going to their email inbox. They are going to see it. Yeah, it may, you know, go into spam once in a while, but, you know, if you consistently email um, your client and customer, they will receive it in their inbox. And so it won't be missed, you know, versus if you're working with social media, you've got the algorithm to battle, you've got so many other things. But that does lead me to my second uh, strategy, which is social media. And again, like I said before, pick one to two, two to three platforms at most that you can focus in on and grow your audience really with the social media. So for an example, for my company, we really only focus on Instagram and LinkedIn. That's kind of where we're at right now. That's where our target audience is. With other clients, we focus on Instagram and Facebook. With even other clients, we just focus on LinkedIn. So really figuring out where your target audience is, where your ideal client is, pick Find your ideal client, find your target audience first, and then see where they are on social media. So, so number one is email marketing. Number two is social media. Number three is website management. And so that means going into your website, making sure that your language still sounds like you. You know, if you've got a new updates, updated service or product, you're updating that on your website. You're changing your image names to be um, about the actual service or product. You're not leaving it as picture one. Uh, that does help with SEO. And also every time you update your uh, website, the SEO is boosted within it as well. So just small changes you could do. Really designate three to five hours a month unless you're working on a bigger project with your business. But just making sure your website is up to date. Because I will say, I could not tell you how many small business websites I see that either have their copyright year wrong on their website, their private policies, you know, terms and conditions aren't updated, or their products say like added 2016. And I'm like, is this even available anymore? I have no idea. So really making sure that you're updating your website so that people can look at it. It's consistent as well with what you're portraying on your other strategies. And then the last one um, is blog content. And that again, just kind of boosts SEO purposes, uh, you can, you know, reorganize that or reuse that for, you know, social media, you can reorganize or reuse that in email marketing. So all of the strategies kind of play within each other, but blog content helps mainly with the SEO as well. So those are my four, my, my four, my recipe for marketing, let's say. Awesome. I love the first one. Cause I say that all the time. Uh, do we all remember Vine and MySpace? <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. They're gone. Minutes, those platforms were down and everyone on that that was so focused on those platforms lost their audience completely. There's, I think there's that Vine documentary out there of how quickly, you know, the big Viners had to, you know, redevelop their whole social media strategy because they were so focused on one platform, even with TikTok, even with anything. If you're so focused on one platform, and again, you don't own this platform, it could shut down tomorrow. What are you going to do with all those customers and clients that you could reach? You can't reach them. You don't have their email. You have no way to connect with them. So yeah, it's something that you need to implement is definitely an email marketing strategy. If anything, just email, just uh, focus on that. That is the number one strategy to focus on. Would you even say like, as long as it's consistent, like once a month is okay? Yeah, I'd say once a month for a general business update. My The ideal scenario would be once a week. And so what we do with our clients is we have different themes per email. So let's say one is about a business update. The other one may be about a new product or service. The other one may be some type of analysis within the industry. So it always keeps people on their toes. I do think there is some overload with email marketing now. So I've signed up for, you know, different services or to learn something more. And all of a sudden you get six emails in one day and you're like, okay, I'm opting out. I do not need to hear from this person so often. So I think there is a balance between it. I would say minimally once a month, I would say ideally once a week, you couldn't do, you can do more, you can do less, but that would be my strategy behind that. 
I think switching to kind of how you work with your clients and approach of getting started and developing marketing strategies. What is your approach? Do you do, you do some discovery questions like what's your ideal customer? What problems are you trying to solve? You know, and kind of going into a little bit of that, but also is there any questions that maybe our listeners that could help them think through and be helpful to kind of get started? Definitely. So the first thing when any client signs up with us that we do is called a brand strategy presentation, essentially. So we really, we ask them the questions, we send them a questionnaire and we get, you know, who their ideal client is, you know, their customer, what their mission is. Maybe they have differentiators. We also do a a competitive analysis on their top three competitors in their industry. So before, first and foremost, before we develop any strategy, we need to make sure that their brand strategy is solid. Because if you think about it, think of Nike, you know, their logo is a simple check mark at the end of the day. McDonald's is a simple M at the end of the day. It's not fancy, but it's the brand strategy behind it as to why we always think of those top brands to go to for exercise, food needs, anything like that. So really in order to before we even post on Instagram or anything for our clients, we make sure that their brand strategy is solid. So we develop it on our own. We present it to the client, make sure everything sounds like they want it to say, make sure that their mission is what they want. And then we get into the marketing strategies. And again, based on the brand strategy and where that ideal client and customer is, is where then we focus on the marketing strategy. So if you're thinking about, you know, if you're in the beginning stages of your business, really make sure you can think about I keep going back to it, your target audience and your ideal customer. Because again, if you just start posting anywhere and you think that you're posting to your ideal target audience and you're not getting any response, you may need to think about the language. You may need to think about where you're posting. You may need to think about the strategy again because you're not reaching that ideal audience. So that would be number one. The other thing that's great is to do a competitive analysis. So look at your two, your top two to three competitors within your marketplace and figure out what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, and what you can do to approve on them. So I'm going to go back to the shopping boutique example. Let's say you're a shopping boutique and you see them selling their clothes online on their website, but you don't see them taking advantage of Instagram and posting their products on there. That could be something that you could have a competitive advantage over. So again, just kind of doing a simple competitive analysis um, would really help you also know what strategies to focus on. And that way, you know how to grow, you know, higher than your competitors. The other thing I would really think about is what your goals are as well. So I would say, think about goals, immediate goals or short-term goals within three to six months. And then what are your long-term goals? And that way too, you can kind of figure out your marketing strategy as well. So for the shopping boutique, let's say, um, let's say you're having a Black Friday deal and you know you wanna offer 50% off and everything. Okay, you know that you need to market Black Friday deals two to three weeks in advance. So you know all the content that you're creating before Black Friday is gonna be that. So there you go, you've already got one marketing strategy because you know what content you need to post. Now you need to figure out where to post it. So yeah, those are the biggest things I would focus on when creating your brand strategy. Then once you develop your brand strategy, then again, based off of your short-term goals, your long-term goals, your ideal audience, you'll then be able to determine what your marketing strategies will be for your business. And I also want to know what makes for a good strategy. Like you kind of mentioned brands and iconic ones of they keep it simple. Is it to keep it simple? Is it another buzzword of 2020, I feel, storytelling? Yeah. <laughs> what advice, tips would you give? Big question for me, is it feel so overwhelming? Why is it overwhelming? <laughs> Definitely. So again, focus on those two to three strat- those two to three platforms maximum. The other thing is having a consistent brand voice. So using the same keywords over and over again. So women who brunch, you're focusing on brunch, you're focusing on food, you're focusing on, you know, women, you're focusing on the connection between the two. Using keywords that surround your business will really elevate you and stand you out against your competitors. Because if you're using different language every day, people aren't going to register, you know, that with 
that message and they're not going to register your message with your business. So even if you think of like famous taglines, like I'm just thinking of the Geico commercials back in like early mid 2000s that were like, it's so easy. A caveman can do it. You know what I mean? And that was one tagline that people thought of and you immediately knew it was Geico. And it's because they use the same tagline. They use the same consistent language in every commercial that once you saw a commercial with a caveman, you immediately knew, okay, that's a Geico commercial. And I'm pretty sure they ran that campaign for like three to four years. So it worked and it can work for your business. You know, think of like, I go back to the example, Nike, just do it. You know, they have different variations of that tagline, but you know, you know, the tagline and you know, it's Nike, not only by the logo, but also behind the brand voice, you know, behind the, uh, collaborations that they use with, you know, NBA players, all that stuff. So really having a strong brand voice using the same words will really elevate you against your competitors, kind of stick you out from the crowd. So yeah, that would be my biggest piece of advice is the brand voice. How about storytelling? Storytelling, I have a love-hate <laughs> relationship with because it seems that everyone has a different, each there are some businesses that do great at storytelling. And then there are some businesses that feel that they need a new story every day. So again, it does go along with the brand voice of, you know, how you got started, why you got started, you know, who works for you. You can develop a story, but make sure that your story is consistent. Make sure that you're not adding in, you know, new revelations every two weeks, because again, I think it comes back to recognizing who the business is. So, you know, I keep going, I'll say McDonald's for an example. You know, I recently watched the uh, film about how document, uh, how McDonald's got started. And it was interesting because, you know, you watch it and you hear the, you hear the story behind it and you're like, okay, this makes sense. But, and you kind of see how it grew, but the story has been consistent forever. If I Googled it, you know, the story is consistent of, you know, two brothers that started it um, and then, you know, sold it to a third partner, all that stuff. So they have a consistent story. So I do like storytelling. I think it can be very useful and efficient, but at the same time, making sure that you have a consistent and the same story throughout is going to make for a better business than someone that, you know, has a different story. Oh, I did this yesterday. And then I did this and then my business did this. And the story kind of people can't keep up with your story basically. So making sure that you have a true brand story of how you got started, why you got started and who your, you know, audience is will really elevate you with the storytelling versus just every new day, making up a new story. Yeah. I have maybe two questions. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like, cause that feels like very overarching your brand story. Mm -hmm. What about more granular for like, just Instagram stories. Cause like, I feel like I see that a lot where you're talking about your bit, like I see this a lot, like someone's business and then they're going into what's trending. Like, here's all the information you need to know about voting. And then it's right. like something else. Right. <laughs> and do, what is your like thoughts on that? That's one thing. Yep. So you're thinking, so you're, <laughs> you're asking whether you keep a consistent story throughout the day or whether you can kind of flip flop back yeah. and forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, my piece of advice would be keep to the same story throughout the day. If you're going to, you know, have a story about voting, you know, how to vote, where to vote, how to get started, then keep to that story that day. If all of a sudden you're going from voting to, I don't know, another example off the like top of my head. Promoting yourself. Like, yeah, I feel like voting. I see that a lot. Like, exactly. And all of a sudden you see 20 stories on some businesses, Instagram it's a lot to take in and people are just going to, you know, go through and tap through until they find what they want. And they're going to miss all the important details of what you could be telling them to improve their business or anything like that. So for Instagram specifically for Instagram stories, you know, you do see a lot of day in the lives or, you know, what people are doing. I think that's okay because it's a consistent story of what you're doing throughout your day. I've done those on mine and they receive great attention, but Again, like you said, if it's something major and you're trying to sell a product, sell a service, but then you're talking about something political or anything like that, keep to one story at a time. There are seven days in a week. You will get your point across. You will get your thoughts across, but don't overwhelm your audience with too many things at once because then you're going to become almost like, oh, well, she's always talking. Let me just kind of spam. Let me just kind of click through and they won't receive the message that you're trying to 
say over Instagram story. They're just gonna, it's almost like spam. Like, all right, keep it going. Let's let's go to the next person who's actually telling me something interesting or tell me something useful. So yeah, again, I would keep to one kind of sequence, one type of story per day, especially on Instagram stories. You brought something up that sparked something else. Okay. Uh, what is, is there any kind of like strategy, I guess, with like you said, useful? Is successful content, you know, a mix of informative entertaining a splash of promoting yourself is there a kind of math equation to this that you see or no I hate to be that Debbie Downer but no and I unfortunately it depends on the business so for my business what works really well is statistics um we you know when we're pointing out statistics and linking them to our services that works really well questions work really well. You know, when we ask people what marketing strategies, you know, do you need advice on people respond really well to that gifts people love. I think every business can benefit from a gift because people can relate to it. They find it funny. Those do really well across all businesses. I've seen other things that do really well is talking, you know, the behind who's behind the company. So who's the CEO, who's working behind the company, what your process is more behind the scenes that works really well across the board. So it's really, you know, if you're going to narrow it down to three pillars, it's going to be entertainment, definitely about the company in general, and then facts or information. That would be the top three pillars to focus on. And again, unfortunately, it's the type of content you create per business is different. But the biggest thing that I've seen is gifts do really well and about, you know, the behind the scenes of a company or the service or products that you're creating do very well as well. Unfortunately, there's no math equation though. I wish that would make my life a lot easier, but unfortunately not. <laughs> no, but I hear like the same things of like what does make a lot of content successful is the things you just mentioned. It's informative, it's helpful to your customer, um, whether that's how something is made or they didn't know about. Right. A little bit showing more of yourself and behind the brand and not just a photo of something and just it helps make that connection. And I forgot the last one. <laughs> Uh, about the company about the company entertainment entertainment yes. yeah entertainment is just for fun so like yeah. i mentioned the gifts but then you can say like you know a dog laying on the bed like passed out and you can say oh you know are you frustrated with your marketing strategy or something along those lines it can relate to people because people it'll grab people's attention first and then you can talk about your business or what you're trying to sell or anything in the caption so gifts along the board do very very well so if anything go with gifts. <laughs> I feel like it's a semi-good transition. Uh, my next question about video. So you mentioned that you got your start in video, still do video. Can you tell us a little bit more about video marketing? What is it? <laughs> yeah. uh, should brands be thinking about video as part of their marketing strategy? And you know, especially with TikTok and Reels, um, just your thoughts on all of that. Yeah. So video marketing in general is just adding video to your marketing strategy. So you could add this to Instagram, you could add this to Reels, you can add this to TikTok, the list goes on and on. The main, the biggest video or the first video I would create for your brand, no matter what, is a brand video. And essentially that takes your about page on your website and turns it into a video so that people can understand who your company is, what you do, who's behind the company, what's the message, what are your goals, all that stuff because unfortunately people don't read websites anymore that much. So, you know, it helps for SEO and it helps to kind of get your business in the website, but really a video is something strong and people can understand your company in less than two minutes. So highly, highly recommend doing a brand video, just telling about your story. And then you can kind of put that onto all of your platforms. You can put that in email, you can put that in your social media platforms, all that good stuff. So the other thing is you mentioned TikTok and Reels. I highly, highly recommend getting into the TikTok and Reel game because think of TikTok as what Instagram was circa 2012, 13. It was kind of new. People were interested. You watched the food, you, you know, saw the food videos a lot. You saw the dog videos a lot. Like, I feel like that was what Instagram was th 2013. Like all the people I followed were like cute dogs. And so that's kind of what TikTok is now, but it's also, I mean, I find TikTok's hilarious because people are inventive and stuff, but as a business, it's really helpful because you're, there's not that much competition and the algorithm right now is in your favor versus Instagram. The algorithm is not in your favor because Instagram wants you to be on the app as much as you can. 
all times of the day, every hour. If you were on Instagram 12 hours a day, then they would reward you. But TikTok right now, their algorithm is very simple in which it's based off of, you know, your popularity. So think of your favorites page on Instagram. That's what TikTok is right now. So as you gain popularity, you're seen more in front of people, you gain that popularity. So as a business, it does really well. Let's say if someone is just a small, like a small business like me, like I see social media, you know, how to social media videos on my feed all the time. And it's because I'm, it's something I'm interested in. And then I follow these people and they give great advice and blah, blah, blah. So if you want and can get into the TikTok game, I highly recommend it because you'll see greater success on there and faster success. If again, if you post consistently on TikTok, then you were to just focus on Instagram. Now with reels, let's just add it to the list. Thank you, Instagram. You know, we've got IGTV, we've got IG live, we've got posts, we've got stories, and now we have reels. So if you're gonna, if you want to add reels into your strategy, you absolutely can. And you should, um, as well, because again, Instagram favors people and favors accounts for those who are spending the most time on Instagram. So if you're posting real, if you're posting on every single option that they have, like you're posting on Instagram stories, you're doing IG lives, you're doing IGTV, you're doing reels, they will favor your account and you'll be boosted in the algorithm. So my, the way you can kind of hack it, let's say, is you can create a video on TikTok and then you can save the TikTok video and then post it on Reels. That would be my advice because like I said, TikTok is doing very well for businesses. So, you know, monetizing or getting on the TikTok game and then just posting on Reels will simplify everything. Right now, I also find that the Reels um, editing platform is a little bit difficult. TikTok for me is a lot easier. I'm also a video editor, so I know, you know, what works and what doesn't. But for the non-editor, TikTok is a little bit easier than Reels is right now. Um, So again, you can just get two for, you know, kill two birds with one stone, post on TikTok, save the video, and then post it on Reels. And that way you can kind of, you know, hit both platforms at once. I agree. I was doing a 30 day reels challenge and the reels editing platform is awful. (laughs) Yeah. It's not easy. And they make you go through another app and then some like my music personally doesn't work on the app. So I have to, no matter what, I have to import the music through another app. So it's a nightmare. They they'll get it up there. They will, because Instagram will just follow TikTok and what they're doing and then just kind of take over. But yeah, for now, I say kill two birds with one stone, post on TikTok, edit through that platform, and then save that video and add it to Reels. Do you worry at all about the watermark or just like, whatever? <laughs> no, to me, I, it saves me time. It saves my clients time. It's a lot more efficient and easier versus me editing the client's work or you know them editing it themselves. It's just right now, kill two birds with one stone. If you're already on Instagram, use Reels to your benefit. If you're not on TikTok and you can add it in, use TikTok and then add it onto Reels. Do you know much about this algorithm? It sucks. <laughs> it does. It's not fun at all. But unfortunately, Instagram is not going to go back to the days where it was posted chronologically. So again, Instagram values and pushes people ahead for those who spend the most time on the app or have, of course, big followings. It's a lot easier. But if you're new to the platform and you're still trying to grow, you know, engaging is number one thing on Instagram, making sure that you're also on the app. To be honest, probably I'd say two to three hours a day. And I hate to say that, but that, I mean, I'm not on that, you know what I mean? And some of my clients aren't on that and they still see great success. But if you're really trying to grow on the platform, you know, making sure that you post daily, two times a day, even if possible, like I said, making sure that you're hitting all of those features on Instagram. So IG live, IG TV, you really create a strategy behind every feature. So yeah, I mean, if you're really wanting to push on Instagram, you absolutely can. But again, Instagram's algorithm favors how much time you're on the app. So if you don't have the time to spend on it right now, adding TikTok into your strategy can work a lot better for you because there's not that much competition. There is competition on TikTok, but it's not as great let's say as Instagram is where it's just so overcrowded do you find like the IG lives and saving them is effective because you're spending more time yes exactly so if you're on IG live make sure that you save it and put it as an IGTV that'll kill two birds with one stone I do that we do interviews um, with other entrepreneurs on IG live and so I've seen I don't 
personally, IG lives, I feel like some people are tired of them and I get it. Also, there's so many things going out throughout the day of people's lives. They may not, you know, see the IG live. So really saving it, putting it on IGTV so that they can see it for later will maximize your benefit on Instagram. And going into a little bit about metrics, if this is something we focus on a lot. So we focus on the basics of metrics, let's say, like what, you know, what content does better than others? Uh, what times of day should we post on certain platforms versus not? Hashtags that are, you know, viable, which hash, you know, did this post get seen more through the hashtags or was it organic through the followers and stuff? But really our biggest concern is the engagement always, because no matter what, your analytics are not going to do well if you're not engaging. You know what I mean? If you're just posting and just kind of ghost and then see your analytics and you're like, all right, it did okay, but you know, how could I get it better? Engaging is going to be the number one thing, no matter how, you know, minor minute detail you check on the analytics. If you're not engaging 15 to 20 minutes minimum per day, um, you're not going to see the great results that you're looking for. And you don't, if you've worked so hard on the content that you've created, you know, why wouldn't you want to spend the 15, 20 minutes to engage in your audience, to make sure that they see the content, to make sure that they understand hey, I created this, you know, amazing piece of content. Look at it right now, please. <laughs> so um, we do focus on the analytics. We give analytical reports to our clients, but we don't focus on it solely. Our main focus is creating great content and engagement. And then that brings and boosts up the analytics. So because again, at the end of the day, it could be, again, the algorithm. If you focus so much on the analytics, the algorithm you're going to get really frustrated really fast. So again, instead of spending so much time on the metrics and everything, we focus more so on the content, the audience building, the engagement building as well. I have another question before we go into fun questions. Oh, yes. I love your Instagram posts and the captions. You talk about failure. You talk about just getting started in your business and how hard it is. You know, that's the hardest part just to get started. To you talk about building your business for the long term. And I'm curious of what are some other like entrepreneurship lessons you've learned since starting your business? Mm-hmm. And what are some lessons you maybe learned this year, 2020 yeah. and COVID? <laughs> Definitely. There's a lot of questions. So many questions. That gives a good answer. So the biggest piece of advice I would give to entrepreneurs, which I wish I had implemented sooner and I didn't learn until COVID is hiring a business coach and hiring coaching. There is something to it because as a solo entrepreneur or someone who is doing it solo, it is no matter what, at the end of the day, it is very hard going out on your own and making sure that you're doing what needs to be done for your business. So when I first started my business, you know, we did see success pretty fast, but I then got so stuck into the minute details that at the end of the day, the needle wasn't pushing forward. I was kind of in this realm of, you know, this is how much money I can make. This is how many clients I can take on. This is, that was it. And so hiring a business coach, which I've done in COVID has really helped me to see the long-term progress and goals and what I can really do with the business and what I need to do to the business to get it to that long-term goal. Because again, as a solo entrepreneur, you get so stuck in the day-to-day, you get so stuck into the, you know, the nitty gritty Instagram posts, all those strategies and stuff that it's hard to focus on the long-term stuff. So having someone, you know, do a little hand-holding and, you know, kind of set you up for success to me is completely worth it in the end. I definitely wish that before I went full-time with my business, I had signed myself up for a business coach. However, I do suggest you really do your research on coaches because there are a lot out there these days. I have received, I'd say last week, 10 DMs about hey, I'm a coach and I can offer you a 10% discount. And I'm like, number one, I'm not spending 10 grand on someone I don't know. Number two, who are you? And number three, don't Instagram DM me to spend 10K. Like to me, it doesn't, that's not a marketing strategy I would suggest to anyone. So really what I would, if you're looking for a coach, see into your internal network, who's a coach, Um, you know, listen to other entrepreneurs, who, what coaches they've used, ask them questions, 
really figure out a coach that's best for you. And it'll take time. It's not easy. It's not an easy process, but once you find your coach, you're with them for a very long time. And you can always get more coaches. I worked with two coaches at a time, helping me with different aspects of my business. I had a money mindset coach at Um, at the beginning of quarantine and then midway through, I did a general business coach. Both have helped me significantly in two different areas. But yeah, I highly, highly recommend anyone who's starting a business to get a coach because at the end of the day, you can't do it all. And to set yourself up for success, to figure out the marketplace, to figure out you know, what your competitors are doing, they really will look into that for you and create you a plan for success. So that would be number one. Number two is just a funny one. Um, As a videographer, photographer, any business, triple back up your work. My first year of business, I did not. And I had to pay a pretty penny for a hard drive that failed on me. So that's advice number two, triple back up your work, put it on Google Drive, put it on a hard drive, put it on another hard drive, just in case it just, some system will fail. And so it'll save you time and it'll save you money in the long run. And then my last piece of advice would be to find a networking group. I found a great networking group when I first started called Six Degree Society. They really helped me meet new clients, meet a lot of my clients when I first started. And, you know, even I've made long-term friendships within the group because you're all on the same page at the end of the day and you're all trying to figure it out and you just need that connection to listen to what you're going through, to hear what you're going through and having a great network will do that as well. So that was the biggest thing. And the best thing I did when I first started my business full-time was I found six degrees. I found other networking groups to kind of go to events, meet similar people, um, meet similar people with different ideas, you know, listen to what they're going through. I learned so many things from each event that I went to, even if it was a subject that I knew something about it, I learned something new every time. And there's something about being around other entrepreneurs, because at the end of the day, a lot of my friends are still in corporate and I love them to death, but they do not know what I'm going through on a day-to-day. You know what I mean? Even I don't know what they're going through on a day-to-day. So really finding a a personal connection, a network that you can really thrive and grow in will really help your business in the long run as well. Yeah, those are great tips. Okay, good. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. (laughs) Wrapping up with some fun questions. So let's talk about brunch. Oh, yes. Oh, brunch. Do you love brunch? Love, of course. That's like, my, I mean, is it, who doesn't like brunch? Let me ask that. <laughs> like, who actually does not like brunch? I don't know a single person. <laughs> I know, but I wanted to ask, so what is your favorite brunch meal or brunch restaurant? Okay, so there's this place called Alice's Teacup. Stop. Yes. <laughs> That's my favorite. Okay, good. I love, I actually, right before um, this podcast interview, I like Googled them to say, see if they were open. They're only available for takeout right now. One of the locations, it's like the pickup location in Brooklyn. I think that's temporarily closed right now, but they have three technical chapters as they call them in New York city. And it's like Alice's Wonderland in there. Like I find it so cute and there's little girls in there getting like fairy dust on them. Like I want to bring my kids there one day. But the reason why I love them is because their tea, they have so many different tea flavors. I'm a big tea person from my mom. She's a big tea person. So we love going there and you get a full teapot and I swear I spend three to four hours there minimum. Cause I'm like, I'm not leaving until I finish my tea. But then also their scones are amazing. And they have, I think I'd say five to six flavors each day. There's always a wait. So they now book reservation. I know before COVID they booked reservations, but when I first started going, there were no reservations. So I was like trying to get in first as they opened. Um, but they have like a combo, a couple different combos where you can share like a tea a platter with people, you know, you get scones and sandwiches and everything, but that is ultimately my favorite brunch spot because you, you know, they have eggs Benedict and everything, but there's something about their scones that are so good. And it's funny. I actually had a scone the other day from like a farmer's market around here uh, where I'm at in New York. And I was like, this is not the same as Alice's tea. <laughs> I was very upset. So they, oh, and they also have this like homemade butter, like it's like a creamy vanilla. Um, yeah. Like the lemon curd. Yeah, it's something and it's so good. Oh, 
and they have like a mix. Oh my gosh, I'm drooling. I need to go. I need to drive to New York City to go get them. So that would be my favorite brunch spot, favorite type of brunch in general. Um, anything with bread, I'm in love with. So scones <laughs> is all me. <laughs> You've got to be now my like favorite podcast guest. That is always my favorite place. Like at any of our women who brunches, we always go around and I ask people as like an icebreaker, what is your favorite brunch spot in New York City? And mine is always Alice's tea cup. Well, funny. No, I, and it's funny. I, I have the cookbook and everything. Like, Oh, you do? Oh yeah. my God, I get that. That's what I need. It's funny. Cause I feel like when I tell people about it, they're like, what is it? And I'm like, it's really cute. It might be a little cheesy cause it's Alice in Wonderland theme, but I'm telling you it is the best place in the world. <laughs> I've been to baby showers there. I had my bachelorette party there. <laughs> oh, I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen bachelor. I was even like, that sounds really good. That sounds like a better bachelorette party than like, you know, well, I did that and like drag so oh, okay. yeah drag different- brunch and then regular high tea brunch so like I got all the brunch <laughs> you got you got both fixes in let's say yes but their awesome. scones are amazing mm-hmm. what are you drinking at brunch tea so tea if I'm at Alice's tea if I'm at a normal brunch spot definitely a Bellini love my peach you know love my champagne I can't drink vodka to save my life anymore, but that's because of college. Um, <laughs> so I'll, you know, start it simple with the champagne and some type of fruit, mostly the Bellini, you know, mimosas, anything bubbly, I'd say I'm in for. I can't believe this. Like, that's so I'm funny. So excited. I've never heard someone else that loves Alice's tea as much as me. And I'm so happy. I'm so glad that they're not closed because I not, have not checked. Oh, I checked. I just I like, this better not happen. <laughs> I lived three years in Astoria and I just found out Queen's Comfort is closing and I am crushed. (laughs) I know that was a great plot. That was a great place too. I've only been once. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think I saw it on your Instagram actually the other day and I was like, what? And it's so unfortunate that so many restaurants aren't able to come back. Like I'd mentioned a couple restaurants that we worked with aren't able to come back. And it's just because, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's really unfortunate, but, you know, support your local restaurants and get your scones and, you know, they are serving alcohol now, so you can get your alcohol to go if you really want. <laughs> so yeah, just support, I'd say, because the restaurants are the places that are definitely going to hurt the most out of everyone. All right. Switching to, we talked about brunch and we learned a lot today from you, but what is one thing that you learned this week? And it could be anything totally random piece of fact. I learned, okay, this is really weird. (laughs) I just bought my first car this past Saturday. So I learned how to buy a car on my own. (laughs) And I learned all about insurance policies and all that good stuff. So that would be something that is not work-related, but I, you know, living in New York City for so long, there was no need for a car. And then moving out to the suburbs, you know, I've survived without one with just like sharing between friends. And recently I'm like, okay, you know, things are starting to open up a little bit more. I need a car. So that would be something totally random is I learned how to buy a car and it's not easy. And negotiating is not fun because to, I'm not a car person in general. Like to me, as long as the thing moves and drives and is not going to croak on me by tomorrow, I am fine with it. Um, but at the same time, you have to stand your ground and know when to push and when to not push. So I definitely gave this salesperson a run for his money. I got what I wanted, but it definitely took like, I was at this dealership for like six hours. <laughs> yeah. I don't miss that. Yeah, no, that is, next time I'm just going to buy my car online or Carfax or I don't know, Carvana, whatever, because it was painful at some points where I was like, all right, I'm over this. Just give me the car and I'm done with it. <laughs> I think the biggest tip I could give if anyone's listening in this area is Bergen County in Jersey. They're, oh, yeah. They're not open on Sundays. So you can just kind of go and not be bothered and look at things. Huh. I did. That's what I would do. Yeah. I love, I was with my dad too. He like knew the guy that was going to sell me the car. And I mean, we were on the lot for a minute and the guy comes running over. And I'm like, sir, like, let me look <laughs> first before you come running over me with prices. So, yeah, I agree. If you can go on Sunday and just, you know, look at the lot, see what's going on, see what what you think, that's great. I also definitely advise bringing someone with you um, just to kind of hear you out and stuff, you know, based on pricing, based on monthly payments, based on everything, because 
for me, I just, I always need, I need, especially with that big of a payment, I was like, I need someone to come with me to kind of make sure I'm not going crazy. And like, this is normal. But then like, of course my dad let me do all the negotiating. And I was like, all right, bye. Like I got what I needed out of you. You're here. Goodbye. Like I can do the rest. (laughs) So it's definitely an experience, but again, once you have a car, you know, if you're going to have it for a long time, just making sure you're getting the right price and definitely push back on the salespeople because they have a lot of wiggle room. And when they say they don't, you can always pretend to leave and they will come running back to you. So yeah, exactly. Totally totally random, totally not work related, but I, yeah, I learned how to buy a car this weekend. And finally, where can people find you, contact you on the internet or say hi? Yeah, of course. So you can follow me on Annalise Gartner um, on Instagram. You can follow us on aptomedia.com. You can follow us on the aptomedia profile on Instagram. Uh, We do have a Facebook page about marketing strategies or a Facebook group, I mean, about marketing strategies. So you can always join us there. Lots to learn, lots more to come. You can also sign up for our email newsletter on our website. So, and also too, if you have any questions about marketing or just general questions, feel free to DM me. I answer my emails. I don't ignore them. So yeah. Just don't approach you with a, a coaching program. Yeah. Don't $10,000 on a coaching program because I'll tell you as a coach how to actually market correctly and that's not the way to do it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. And I'm so glad I found another Alice's Tea Lover. And yeah, thank you for having me. Hey, friends, virtual hugs for completing another episode of the Brunch and Learn podcast. Did you learn something new this episode? I sure did. If you're loving the podcast, don't shy away from showing your love. Consider rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to hear more guests and episodes, head over to our website at womenwhobrunch.com for episodes, recipes, blog posts, updates on events, and much more. See you guys soon.